Prison Colony Resistance is brought to you by Sam and the Maxman Productions. to Prison Colony Resistance. Today, we have another special interview with a very special guest all the way from the USA. We'll bring him on in two seconds. But before we bring on our prestigious guest, let me introduce Sam. Sam, my co-host, the best in the business. How you going, Sam? The best in the business. Wow, that's uh, that's very, very generous. Thank you for that. Oh, uh, you deserve it, Sam. Um, you deserve it. Oh, look, I, I do what I can. I do what I can with what I've got. Um, look, we're, we're backing up. We finished recording late last night for our weekly show, and we've been talking a lot about, you know, the rallies in Canberra and how everyone's kind of inflated, then deflated. But we thought we'd try and get, we try to class this up a bit and, and get a proper medical professional on to talk about a whole range of different things. Are you excited? Who did you Shawshank this time, Sam? Well, this was easy. This was this was just a straight email request. And um, we have Dr. Lawrence Pel- Pelveski all the way from New York City. Welcome. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, for the listeners, it's Pelevsky. Ah, thank ah, you. Ah, Sam, you did it. You messed it up, Sam. You're fired. You're fired. Do you want me to, I'll, I'll walk out right now. Right now, Sam, just don't, just, uh, just leave your microphone on the desk. We, we, <laughs> uh, I knew I was going to mess that up. I, Sorry, I doctor, please. I have my apologies for my host. He's, uh, you know, he's had one too many Barbies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well. I'm, I'm starstruck. What can I say? That's, that's generous of you too. But uh, um, Pilevsky is said, people know who I am. I'm ready to shake, rattle, and roll. All right. All right. So, Dr. Larry, uh, you are a well-known doctor and a leader of the resistance. So we thought it'd be wonderful to have you on, contributing your voice, um, your truth, your logic, your science to the conversation because it's much needed. Right now, we are seeing policies enacted around the world for boosters that don't connect at all to creating any sort of immunity to the strain, the supposed strain that's running around. So uh, doctor, if you could tell us before you get started into all the the technical stuff that we're going to get into, can you tell us how you came to the forefront of the resistance and what kind of opened your eyes and kind of red-pilled you? 
it's so interesting that you think that I'm at the forefront of the resistance because that's not the way I see the world through my eyes. I don't see me resisting anything. Um, I have a narrative that I believe is closer to the truth and I'm willing to speak the truth and I'm willing to critically think to achieve greater closeness to the truth. That's not resistance. That's moving in a direction towards truth. If people want to move in the direction of what is being you know, infused through the airwaves, that's their choice. And if they think that I'm differing because I'm an, you know, just trying to make waves, all right, that's fine. But I'm not resisting anything. I'm actually moving towards the truth. So um, I've always been a, a, a kid and a young adult and a middle-aged adult who could spot bullshit anywhere uh, around me. And so if I saw somebody who was lying or if I saw somebody who was telling a half truth, or if I saw somebody who was uh, speaking something that, that didn't resonate with what I knew to be true, I spoke up. And that actually worked really well when I was in medical school because we were encouraged to critically, critically think. When I was in university, we were encouraged to tear apart subjects in political science and biology in, in uh, English and textbooks. So getting to medical school, it was just a big continuation of, of all of that. And that ended in 1987 and I finished my training in 1991. And somewhere in the mid nineties, little by little, they kept chipping away at people's um, ability to critically think and speak the truth. And debates, discussions, dialogues, became fewer and far between, and it just continued to grow. And, and the more I started to see discrepancies in information that I was taught with information that I was researching, learning, experiencing, and having firsthand knowledge of, the more I started to speak up. And the more I started to see all of these people who were entrenched in what they were taught stay exactly entrenched in what they were taught. And I thought, wait a second, there's something wrong there. Because I was not only finding other true information, but I was meeting hordes of other people who were having the same experience and the same truth seeking and the same knowledge. And you saw this, this, this landmass between a fault line start to separate. And either you stayed exactly where the information was kept the same, or you went to the area where information was still unknown, but it was researchable and it was a critical, a critical thinking to get there. It was experiential, it was debatable, and that's where I went. And unfortunately, the landmass where people just accepted what they were told got bigger. But the landmass where people were actually curious also got bigger. And so I'm just going in the direction of what I know is truth, not because somebody told it to me, but because I did my own research, I did my own analysis, I did my own critical thinking, and I had 
my own experiences. Nobody can take away knowledge from my experience, especially when my experience happens over and over and over again to prove knowledge and then wisdom. And so unfortunately, what I see is the most of the people who have expertise have it because they've downloaded it from some authority external to them. And that's not the way I operate my existence. I operate by downloading my knowledge through my experience, through my research, through my critical thinking, through my analysis and come to an answer. And nobody can take that away from me. So I don't live in a house of cards. I don't have an exterior set of information that I know because somebody told it to me. I don't walk around with expertise because of information that some external authority to whom I've given all of my power is gonna tell me what's true. And that's really the spiritual battle that we're dealing with on this earth right now is um, when people say, well, the vaccine is safe. And my first question would be, okay, um, how do you know that? Right? How do you know that? Where, where did you get that from? I'm curious. Tell me. Well, my doctor said, okay, well, what research have you done? And then they walk away because <laughs> you know, they, they, the only research they did was listening to some external authority. And you see that their house of cards goes, poof, blows away. And yep. that to me is the spiritual war. So that's why I don't see it as a resistance. I see it as a growing development of knowledge based on experience, analysis, critical thinking, uh, toiling, research, and uh, claiming it for yourself and owning it because nobody can tell you that when you punch the, the wall and you break your hand, that you didn't break your hand by punching the wall. Nobody can tell you that. I think that's correlation, not causation, right, doctor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing, actually. You know, you talk about critical thinking. Um, some of the people that I've come across, you know, in the last two years, if you if you ask ask them to actually go out and and research a few topics, the general population they're just too lazy to do it. They they don't want to know. They don't want to look into it. It's too much hard work. You know, we'll just we'll just take the word of whatever comes out of our TV. If we go to a doctor and the doctor says, hey, take this shot, you know, they're just going to take it. Sam, you know what I find so fascinating? If someone is about to buy a house, do they get it inspected? Of course. Do, do they due diligence, right? Do they do their, do they look at the windows? Do they look at the doors? Do they look for leaks? Yeah. Do they, they look get, at the roof, yeah. the attic? Yeah. <laughs> do they look at the air conditioning system? Do they look at the heating system, the boiler, the water, hot water heater? Do they look at the electrical panel? Do they look at the basement? Do they look for mold? Do they look for radon? Do they look for other gases, right? Do they check to see uh, if there's been any uh, repairs? Do they check to see, you know, are there, are there mice? Are there rats? Are there, are there um, uh, you know, termites? Yeah, they're going to do all that because they're not gonna just buy the house sight unseen, right? Usually, if somebody's buying a car, 
Do they want to know the miles per gallon? Do, do they want to know, you know, is it four wheel drive? Is it front wheel drive? Is it rear wheel drive, right? Uh, does it uh, have an alarm system? Does it have a GPS, right? Are there leather seats? Are there cloth seats? Is it power steering? Is it, is it uh, can you start the car outside the car? You want to know all those things. But yet you go to inject something in your body and you couldn't give two shits what you were yeah. getting put in your body. I, I, that I, is fascinating to me. Yeah, I think you're right, is. doctor. I think uh, what you were saying before about not feeling like it's resistance. I also, I am kind of of the same opinion because when all of this started happening in 2020, early 2020, and you start to see the videos coming out of China and the guys in the bio suits with the machine guns and all that, people collapsing, I started to dig and I started to get curious. Um, and the more I dug, the more things didn't make much sense. And the more I said, somebody is, is lying here. And I kept digging, but I've had a lot of pushback from fellow colleagues who are in the tertiary level education industry, professors, lecturers at the university level who are telling me, what are you talking about? It, uh, trust the science, trust the science. Uh, so they didn't actually do any digging themselves. And like you said, they just injected themselves with this vaccine. But it doesn't mean they've lost critical thinking faculties because when they buy a house or when they buy a car or when they're picking a fantasy football team or when they're looking at the canon of Lord of the Rings and finding out where Galadriel fits in the second age of the epoch of the rise of the elves, they really do their homework. But when it comes to putting something in their body, not just anything, but this specific thing, this mRNA gene therapies, there's no questions asked. It's like almost a part of their brain. It's a box that you cannot touch and anything that's related to this, put it in that box. Don't think about it. Trust the science. What science? I mean, we have never utilized mRNA technology to manufacture an effective and safe vaccine ever. There is no historical precedence to look back and see how the use of the mRNA technology reduces, eliminates, or prevents any infectious illness. So to call it a vaccine, knowing full well that it takes seven, 10, or 15 years to study a vaccine in a population, you can't call this a vaccine because there's no history there's no precedence. There's no evidence of any science anywhere that supports the use of this technology to reduce, eliminate, or prevent any infectious illness. And yet, the authorities say this is a vaccine. And people just lie down and say, yes, you're right. This must be a vaccine. So when the technology first came out and they, they brought the, the shot into the public, they said, we don't know if this injection will give you an antibody response to SARS-CoV-2 virus. We don't know if that antibody is produced if it will protect you against SARS-CoV-2 virus infection. We don't know 
if it will reduce severe illness, hospitalizations, or death, because we never tested for those endpoints in the study. We don't know if it will stop you from carrying the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And we don't know if it'll stop transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus from one person to the next. All those criteria I just spoke about are what define a vaccine. And they basically said, point blank, at the very beginning, this isn't a vaccine. We don't know if it's a vaccine. And then you peek under the rock and the literature from the companies themselves says, this is gene therapy. This is an operational system. And all of that discrepancy was just completely wiped away and the propaganda promoted that this is a vaccine. Now, 14 months later, does it give you antibody protection against SARS-CoV-2? No. Does it reduce deaths, hospitalizations, and severe illness? No. Does it stop you from carrying or transmitting the virus? No. Are the majority of cases of COVID in people who've been single, double, or triple jabbed? Yes. Did you get a shot that actually allowed your body to manufacture the protein that's responsible for causing the symptoms of COVID-19? Yes. Should you be surprised that you got sick after you got the shot? No. Are you surprised that you got sick? Yes. The disconnect is unbelievable and it doesn't take a rocket science to follow all of these bouncing balls. I mean, I have patients in my practice. I've met people along the way who are not college or graduate school educated and they get this. Forget the conspiracies and the global elites and the cabal and the World Economic Forum and you know all that's going on. Forget that. This basic stuff they get, which makes this entire process even more insulting and makes you wonder where are the smart people? Because well, <laughs> the smart people are being censored. The smart people are being discredited. They don't want smart people talking about this kind of stuff. But Sam, the majority of the people in most societies who are in favor of this shot are college and graduate educated. That doesn't so, necessarily make them smart. <laughs> that's what I was just going to add. So that's the irony. Yeah is that they're college and graduate school educated, but they're duped into an obedience to an yeah. outside authority. Yeah. And again, that's what brings us back to the spiritual war that we're having. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really quite interesting that you say that because, you know, at the start of this journey with this, this podcast, we didn't know what 
we would uncover talking to you know a whole range of different people but the one thing that nearly everyone we've spoken to on this show they have some kind of spirit spirit you know spiritual journey that they're on um they do believe like this is a war between good and evil it's it's really quite amazing to to put all those connections together you know different people never met each other but they're feeling the same thing what's so interesting just to dovetail what you just said is that there's a large portion of the population at the beginning of this process who couldn't fathom the unfathomable. They couldn't believe the unbelievable. They couldn't conceive of the inconceivable, which is my leader wouldn't hurt me. My government wouldn't do anything to hurt us. My doctor knows better. And so this blind obedience and uh, complete, you know, giving up of one's inner authority and empowerment is very much related to traumatic pasts where you've relied on your authority to do well for you. And it's not possible for your nervous system to actually believe that you could be abused again. And that's the very classic picture of a child abused. The child going back into the home will constantly believe that the parent will never hurt them again. And so if you look at the governments around the world and the history of governments around the world, when have they not taken advantage of their own people? If you look at the manufacturers, the drug companies of these shots, the list of their corrupt uh, engagements, the amount of billions of dollars they have paid in fines is enormous. But somehow, and that's what I mean by somehow the abused child still wants to hold on to the idea that daddy won't hurt them again, that mommy will be loving. And so that's what I mean by conceive of the inconceivable, believe the unbelievable, fathom the unfathomable, that your authority would actually want to kill you. Because actually, history shows that there's never been a government anywhere in the world that's wanted to kill their own people, (laughs) he says sarcastically. So that's what makes it so difficult because you actually, you actually have people driving cars with no rear view mirrors into history because there's just, and, and again, not being able to do their, their inner work around their trauma of an external authority is what's crippling the world. And then there's the wake up call. There's the wake-up call when people start to have their own experience of, oh my God, what the hell did I do to my body? I got one jab. Yeah, I thought it was good for me to get sick. 
it meant that the shot was working. You know, I'm doing my duty to, you know, participate in society. And then I got the second shot a month later. And, you know, I started having heart palpitations and neurological problems. And then I knew something was really wrong. And I stepped back and I said, what did I do? I didn't go along with the other people that said, no, 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 that's part of the process. We're supposed to get sick. It's supposed to make us sick. That's why we need to keep doing it. And so that's what you have. You have a number of people who are sadly being injured and bravely and courageously saying, what did we do? And wait a second, two weeks to flatten the curve. Here we are two years later. Um, and, you know, the, all the experts, you know, the medical doctors, the Dr. Bill Gates, the, the Dr. Rachel Walensky and the Dr. Fauci and, you know, the Dr. Klaus Schwab and all the, all the doctors in the world, many of whom have self-appointed medical degrees, are originally said the vaccine will make us get back to life. The vaccine will stop the transmission. The vaccine will keep you from getting sick. And then you see months later, all of these self-appointed doctors putting out videos saying, well, we underestimated the power of the vaccine. Uh, it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't reduce transmission of the virus. Um, we need to get more boosters. It's only this effective. And you see them all backtracking. And little by little, you see some of those light bulbs going on saying, wait a second, something's wrong here. Something's really not copacetic. And, you know, that's why you have the truckers, because a lot, most of the truckers are, shot, are given the shot. Most of the, sh most of the truckers reportedly have had the shot. Yeah, that's what Trudeau says. 90% vaccinated for the truckers. I mean, Fidel Castro's son. That's right. <laughs> I think um, one, one distinguishing aspect between the States and Australia is that Australia didn't have to fight for its federation. It just kind of did it in 1901, whereas the U.S. had to go through an intense war for independence against its colonizers. Um, and we were a prison colony, and we were just kind of happy to be given our freedom and our own continent. And when I say we, I'm a citizen now of this country, so I consider myself Aussie, even though I do have, and I've tried to, I've tried to emulate the Aussie accent, but it's come out poorly, so I've kept my American one. Thank you. But we, they, all, we, all, we all appreciate that. You're quite welcome. Listen to episode one to see what that sounds like. <laughs> um, but we see like back in the 70s, right? There was a vaccine um, that started to kill some people. I think 80 something people died and the vaccine was pulled within a week. We saw the Pinto disaster. Once the Pinto started to blow up, they tried to pay some people off. They, and they, they quickly realized, and it just leaked and now it's, a, uh, it's an ethical framework question in business school. So all of these uh, attempts for corrupt politicians and big business to kind of keep the truth hidden, it, it hasn't really worked before. But for some reason, something is happening now where something is more at play in terms of the minds of the people who have been jabbed with this stuff, because they cannot, they will not, they refuse to see any statistics, to look at any. And like you said, Dr. Larry, you said people are hurt with this thing and they start to question, but then the government says, oh, now vaccinate your kids so they're safe. And then they bring in their kids 
and give them myocarditis and pericarditis and all sorts of other negative health outcomes due to the spike protein that's being vaccinated by these mRNA gene therapies. So like you said, this is a system and uh, it's a technology that has been input into you. And in episode nine of the show, we talked about the Moderna patents and we read through some of them. And those Moderna patents are saying, we can basically manufacture anything that we want inside of your cell. And we can send that to almost any organ that we so choose. And we also know that it crosses the blood brain barrier. Now, at this point, doctor, I'd, I'd like to introduce something um, that came out in 2013. If I can, uh, I'll share my screen so you could also see it, doctor. Uh, and basically I'll read it out for our audience. Um, do that. Yeah, go ahead, do doctor. So, so how does all of that technology help you protect against an infectious illness? Yeah, good question. <laughs> that is a great question. And the thing is, like you said, it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't sterilize the virus. It doesn't really prevent variants. Instead, it actually increases the variants. I think the Spanish influenza, there was one strain. Now we're up to the Omicron and going into the Omicron plus the, the uh, special I, variant. I, I Actually, Deltacron, there was an article in the mainstream down here yesterday, Deltacron watch is back on. So Oof. yeah, they're, they're pumping up another one. They, they're really, you know, getting ready to, you know, pump a lot more fear and get a lot more people. I mean, we're only sitting at what, 50% in this state with their third dose. They need to hurry up and, and get more needles in the arms. Yeah, so they need to pump the fear. It's like that song, the Delta's back and there's going to be trouble. <laughs> but okay, so Dr. Larry, enough foolishness, Dr. Larry. Please, let me please. let me show you something here. Uh, this is um, this was published. Um, it's on the Obama, um, the Obama brain mapping, and it's actually called the brain initiative. So this isn't just it's not woo woo talk. It's not conspiracy talk. This was a brain initiative uh, instituted by the White House back in the Obama years. And BRAIN is an acronym, and it stands for Brain Research Through Advancing Innovative Neurotechnologies. And what we've discussed is that this thing can cross the blood brain barrier. So it can get inside your brain. And one of the things that they mentioned is that the breakthroughs have paved the way for unprecedented collaboration and discovery across scientific fields. These technological innovations have contributed substantially to our expanding knowledge of the brain, significant breakthroughs in how we treat neurological and psychiatric disease, and they will require a new generation of tools to enable researchers to record signals from brain cells in much greater numbers and at even faster speeds. And this is where the brain initiative comes in. So this is what Obama put in into 2013. And then Obama's little um, project takes off. And here's an article written in the Technology, Technology Review, I believe it's called. Yeah, Technology Review. Uh, and the one little piece I wanted to read to you, doctor, is this little, this little piece here, which kind of uh, summarizes the whole concept. It says immersion, sorry, I'll start again. Emerging micro and nanofabrication techniques could be used to create smaller chips bearing smaller electrical and even chemical probes that would be less invasive. Nanoprobes bearing several dozen electrodes, for instance, could be stacked to probe hundreds of thousands of recording sites and transmit data wirelessly. Alternatively, nanoparticles carrying molecules that bring them to specific cell types could lodge in cell membranes, so surgical placement would not be necessary. 
the nanoparticles could also carry molecules that can sense electrical activity, pressure, or even certain chemicals revealing brain activity. Is this, is this one of the reasons that the, the people who have been injected with this technology can't hear anything about the vaccine? Is something that's crossing the blood-brain barrier getting a transmission and being suppressed? Well, certainly there are a number of countries around the world that have already found nanobot technology inside some of the shots. But it goes way back, actually. When drug companies were trying to uh, administer drugs to patients and attempting to get the drugs into the brain, they encountered something called the blood-brain barrier. And the blood-brain barrier was the ne nemesis of the, of the drug manufacturers because the blood-brain barrier was built to prevent drugs from going into the brain. So it was a Fort Knox, which is uh, in the United States. Uh, <clears throat> you got it. Anyway. And so they developed nanotechnology to attach to the drugs to bypass the blood-brain barrier and deliver the drugs into the brain. They then experimented with emulsifiers, which are lipid particles, to attach to the nanoparticles attached to the drugs to exponentially enhance the delivery of the drugs across the blood-brain barrier into the brain. And so the, the drug manufacturers hit pay dirt because they developed a nanoparticle binding to the drug with an emulsifier binding to the nanoparticle drug and massively increased their uh, volume of drugs to get them to cross into the brain. Interestingly enough, childhood vaccines have the same technology. They have nanoparticles that are tightly bound to the antigens in the shots. And they have polysorbate 80, which is an emulsifier, tightly bound to the aluminum nanoparticle. And so the, the, the precedence has been set to potentially allow vaccine materials to enter the brain. Now, is that their intention? Or is that just an oops? Right? Big oops. So it is well known that nanoparticles have been used and lipid nanoparticles have been used for all sorts of delivery of material into the body. And when I saw that this new, these new injections contained a lipid nanoparticle um, I did what any researcher would do. I went into the literature and I said, okay, uh, these are lipid nanoparticles that have never been used in vaccines before, as we know of. And let me see what their properties are. One of the first studies I pulled up talked about lipid nanoparticles and the dangers to the male and female reproductive systems. 
And then I went down in the article and it talks about other studies that have shown the damaging effects of lipid nanoparticles upon injection into the body, to the brain, to the lung, to the heart, to the blood, to the kidney, to the liver, and to the male and female reproductive system. I said, okay, so you're giving us an injection of a lipid nanoparticle that is known to be a toxin to the body, can get into the brain, can do all these things to other tissues in the body, including the mitochondria and the cells. And how are you claiming that these shots are safe? And so you have, an, and I'll go back, you have a number of countries that have already found nanobot technology, which can then enter across any cell membrane. And so if you read and listen to many of the Obama supporters, those who are supporting Obama and doing that, this work, you'll see the TED Talks, you'll see the articles of all these people who are just, you know, peeing in their pants, excited <laughs> about the possibility of changing the brains of humans, as well as changing the genes of humans. So there are multiple levels of concern. And so, you know, you, you hear people say, I'm diverting for a second uh, because it just, it just reminded me of, you hear all these people say, these, these vaccines, which they aren't, do not alter the genes of humans when they're given. And you say, oh, okay, um, let's look for the study that shows the manufacturers of the shots doing an experiment to see if there's any alteration of the genetic codes. And guess what? As they say in, in slang English, you ain't gonna find one <laughs> because they've never tested. So we don't know what these injections are doing in the body and be aware that not all the injections are the same. So there's a stratification of contents because again, it's still an experiment. So they're doing the live experiment with different stratifications of contents. So some are bad batches, some are less bad batches, some are less, less bad batches, some are you know, simple batches, some are placebos. So there's all different kinds of material in there. But, you know, a number of countries have already found graphene in them and they were repeatable. I mean, they were continuously proved. And, you know, what does the scientific method say? Scientific method says, wow, four countries, scientists independently found graphene inside the shots. Shouldn't we do an experiment to see if more of the shots have them? And should we try to figure out what those graphene molecules in the shots are doing once they get into the body? And how are graphene molecules meant to help your body reduce its ability to get an infection or prevent 
you from getting an infection. And you see all of this being produced and, and, and um, spoken about and written about all over the literature. And most people are clueless that this is going on. So you have the nanobot technology, you have the lipid nanoparticles, you have the, the graphene, and you have who knows what else, because guess what? Nobody's looking at the manufacturers and checking their manufacturing standards. <laughs> Nobody's going in and saying, okay, we need to take a batch by surprise. We need to come in and we need to just take batches of all different lot numbers and we need to examine them for safety and content. Nobody's doing that. But yet that's what you would do if you were having proper oversight. But there is no oversight. Basic, basic consumer law. If this car looks like the airbags don't work, let's take a sampling of that model and make of that car and test them out with crash test dummies and see what happens. And let's get a systematic approach to the evaluation of the safety of this particular product. Here are uh, scientists in Spain, like Inta Columna, scientists in Austria, a reputable scientist, reputable scientist, scientists in New Zealand have just found it as well. And I just saw a new UK uh, lab that found it. Uh, headed by um, uh, Professor Yidin, I believe, um, who authorized the study. And so they discovered more nanotech in these vaccines. And like we said, they crossed the blood blame barrier. And the other thing that I find interesting is um, that a lot of the TED Talks that you mentioned, there's a lot of scientists who are, like you said, peeing their pants so excited about the fact that they have now decoded how our brains work, how our neural transmissions our sense, how we think, how our mind contextualizes and produces thoughts. And they're able to delete thoughts. There's a big study. Um, I think it was veterans with PTSD whose memories were deleted to reduce the effects of that PTSD, that trauma. And they were actually able to go into their thoughts and delete those painful memories, those traumatic memories, to see how it would go. Now, I'm not sure what happened, if they were crazy, uh, shouldn't say that word, uh, it's a very uh, pejorative word, but they, were they more sick after they removed the thoughts or before? Like how, what was their psychiatric condition? I'm not sure the outcome of that, but just I found it interesting that you can actually delete painful memories. So we know that this thought insertion and all our TED Talks that you follow on this, just look it up, Mind Mapping YouTube, um, and it's all happening at very reputable scientists, uh, scientific labs in MIT, Harvard, Oxford, Yale, Princeton, Caltech. So it's not science fiction, right? So we have this technology that is able to, to do all these things. However, the one thing that is never discussed, doctor, that I find very interesting, but it's never mentioned, even in, in these kind of resistance interviews and talks that I view as resistance because we're talking against the narrative, is the fact that this technology was only made possible with the intervention of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, computers being able to decode the vast amount of data that our brains can send us. So, and the way that artificial intelligence learns things, it's a cumulative learning process. If one machine learns it, they all learn it. Whereas humans are different. You know, Sam might know how to ride a bike, I might not, but that's how humans operate. We're individuals. 
uh, we're atomistic, but a machine doesn't work that way. So if one single operating system or one single software learns it, it spreads into the machine. So here we have an artificial intelligence gathering data at exponential rates in laboratories across the world now decoding thoughts and decoding transmissions and decoding cells and how far does this go like you, you know how deep you know, is this you know is the machine are. telling the wef what to do next but you know what you are a conspiracy theorist doctor <laughs> those are the two words right yeah because they would never do anything like that that's absurd that's preposterous why would they do that you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. That's nonsense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I agree. That's why I went through, believe the unbelievable, fathom the unfathomable, conceive of the inconceivable. And yet all of that is right there. I mean, they're not hiding any of it. There's article after article after article on the use of nanotechnology, nanobots, to alter thoughts and brain function and essentially to create robots in humans, to alter humans, to create these chimeric humans. Cyborgs, man machines, machine man. And, and this is why I got you to watch Kendrick Lamar at the halftime show, the Super Bowl. <laughs> Did you see his dances? Sam, that's a conspiracy theory, mate. No one's listening to you. You just go back in the closet. <laughs> his entire show was made up of individuals look looking like one another. It was an army of clones. Like they are actually telling us, they're putting it out there, right? And we're not crazy. We, we know it's out there. And this is why we're talking about it. I would say like, if, if the listeners, if I know like, I do this every show, but I always try to put myself in the, the, in the shoes of others, walk a mile in another person's shoes, and you'll come to see their point of view, you know, try to sympathize, empathize, you know, so our, our listeners are thinking, bloody hell, you guys are really out this time. What have you guys been smoking? What kind of chronic you got this week? But in all honesty, if you just go to a Google search and just Google deep mind, DeepMind is an initiative being run by Google that is looking to really map the cognitive functions by using artificial intelligence. And if I could share this with you, doctor, just one more screen share. I'm sorry, I don't want to overshare. Uh, I know when you get on these calls, people tend to overshare. But this is, um, this is the DeepMind from the Google. Um, it's DeepMind.com. That's all you need. And if you go there, you can start to see the stuff that they are researching. And if you look at their research, they are exploring deep learning, control and robotics, reinforcement learning. They're studying safety, the theory and foundations of this stuff, unsupervised learning and generative models and neuroscience. Now, if you click on any of those little hot buttons, it then gives you literature out the wazoo about what they are doing. Mind your own view, self-supervised learning across sample prediction. What can classic Atari video games tell us about the human brain? Here's another one. Representation learning for improved interpretability and classification accuracy of clinical dot, dot, dot. And I have about 50 pages of results of all peer-reviewed scientific journals talking about mind mapping that DeepMind is doing for Google. So like you said, the information is out there. This stuff is happening. It is not science fiction. My question then becomes is what is the effect 
on us because we now see a very clear sort of, um, like you said, those two landmasses. There's one landmass of these people who believe this narrative pitched to us by the mainstream media and our anchors and Dr. Fauci about how this protein is, this spike protein is going to save us all. But we see the opposite in terms of evidence. Cases are exploding in Israel, in the US. Every single country that's heavily vaccinated has a huge caseload and the deaths are rising because of immune suppression, possibly caused by these vaccines. Again, that's correlation, not causation. I'm a conspiracy theorist, sorry. And second, you then see the other side of the truckers, people like you, people like Sam and myself, who are saying, ah, something just doesn't quite click. And it's dividing farther and farther away. And the two ends are seeming that they're not going to meet in the middle anytime soon. So where does this go from here, doctor? What, why do you want it to meet in the middle? I'm, I'm wondering why that's your resolution. Why isn't there an evolution of humanity? Why isn't there a, a, an element of humanity that is taken in by this technology and an evolution of humanity that leads parallel lives in different dimensions? Mm. What, why do we have to all resolve this? That's why my, I'm not interested in saving people who are electively running into a burning building. Now, that doesn't mean my heart doesn't break watching it. But there comes a point where you don't run in with them if you know you're going to die. When you're watching people who are running in, not knowing what they're running into. So you see the burning building, they don't. So why would you want to fix that? Why are we not just cutting our losses, doing our own healing, resolving to the fact that there's another direction to go in? And, you know, our Buckminster Fuller, I'm going to paraphrase one of his statements because I don't remember it by heart all the time to change an existing reality you don't fight it to change it you build a new system to make the old one obsolete so if enough people are aware of what's going on then you start to build new systems and if people it's it's no it's a business model Right. If there's only one supermarket on the on the block, and everyone seems to keep going there, even though the fruits are rotten, the vegetables are rotten, the meats are stale, everything is boxed and processed. And if you build another supermarket down the block that has fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, fresh meat, not processed foods. And people start wanting to purchase that product, then the other one will go out of business. And so that consciousness is happening all over the world. People are basically saying, I don't need your banks. We're going to do our own money system. I don't need your credit system. 
we're going to do it ourselves. I don't need your schools because you're teaching our kids nothing and brainwashing them completely. I don't need your supermarkets because I'm going to farm my food and we're going to barter and share. I don't need your medicine because I'm going to use this practitioner, this practitioner, this practitioner, and this practitioner, and I'm going to learn how to practice my own medicine. And we're going to build our own healthcare systems that will actually allow us to make choices for our own benefit. And you just keep building it. You keep building parallel systems. It's not the first time in history that this was done. And slowly but surely, you will see parallel worlds. We're already seeing them. And little by little, there will be some evolution where critical masses will be reached. I don't know what that is. And I don't know what's going to make that happen. But I know that the separation is happening. And so do you want to spend your energy fighting to get people to see what's going on? Or do you want to save your life and build the system that's going to sustain you and the rest of your loved ones, family, and friends? Yeah. Yep. Look, I've spent the better part of two years trying to, you know, for use of a better word, wake people up. But if they're not ready to see it, it is time to cut your losses. And I know it, it is, it is, it is bloody heartbreaking. Um, you know, this is a, this is a topic that is just dividing people straight down the middle. There is no common ground. Okay. Um, I haven't spoken to my mom and dad since July last year because of this topic. I begged them. I begged them not to go and, not to go and do this because of numerous numerous factors. My my father has epilepsy. All right, we know that this shot really fucks with you neurologically. Okay, my mother has a heart murmur. Okay, so the information that I presented, it was still it it was met with such resistance and and just we don't want to hear it. We don't want to know about it. Our doctor, who we've gone to for the last 40 years, told us to get it, so we're going to get it. So you're right. Why, why bother fighting for the people that don't want to be saved, that don't want to? They, they, it, is, it is truly heartbreaking. Sam, uh, thanks for sharing that. And your story is multiplied by thousands. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a special case here, mate. You know, like... I'm just fortunate enough that I can actually speak about it. We, we decided to do something about it. So we're, we're talking all aspects of this stuff. Yeah, I'm not alone. I'm certainly not sitting here having a, having a pity party. But one can only hope, and again, this is, the, this is the murky area, one can only hope that there is some way to return to some interaction and some relationship. But... Um, it may not be possible in every case. No. And that's where you're right. You cut your losses and you say, you know, uh, you're, you're sinking. I don't want to sink. Yep. You're, you're, you get an injection that has the potential to increase cancer, 
increase dementia, increase infertility, increase um, miscarriage, increase heart attacks, increase stroke, increase blood clots, increase immune deficiency. And all of that information is being hidden. And, you know, again, you know it, you're not a medical doctor, you're not a scientist, you're a citizen. Yeah. And you know the same information I do. You're seeing the real answers on the ground. Yep. Not everybody can see it. So and not everybody can believe it. One of my one of my biggest issues with this. Um you know, I, I spoke to my parents. I said, yeah, we're going to get it. And I said, okay, fine. I obviously can't change your mind. At that point, um, we had our son who was 18 months old. Okay. So very young, developing everything inside of him. We didn't feel comfortable with them coming over a week after having the shot, hugging him, kissing him, feeding him, doing all that kind of stuff. Because we didn't know, well, we, we had an idea that these things would shed, right? I think I read, I think Pfizer calls it occupational exposure, right? They, they, they seriously looked at me like I was batshit crazy. So April 22nd of 2021, I did a podcast with four other physicians, which is now uh, ceremoniously called the five docs. And it was our first foray into the subject of transmission because we were seeing tens of thousands of reports on social media groups of women who had not received the shot, but were exposed to others who had gotten the shot, who were then experiencing loss of periods, increased bleeding, multiple periods in a month, severe cramps, women in menopause starting to bleed again, women having miscarriages and women having stillbirths. We were seeing in the tens of thousands and in the hundreds of thousands of reports, of course, which social media wiped out and censored, deleted. And so as a physician, my job is to listen to the patient. We've not seen these outbreaks before. We've not seen these reports before. This is new stuff. So it raises the curiosity, what's going on? Then we started to see people who were getting heart attacks and strokes and even dying, who hadn't gotten the shot, but who were exposed to those who did get the shot. And no one said, strongly enough, we should investigate what's in these shots to see if they could be transmitting any material from one person to the next. I mean, 
we have regular childhood vaccines where there are warnings. You know, people who get this shot should stay away from these kind of people for this amount of time after they get the shot. So it's not unheard of that material from injections transmits out of people's bodies from one person to the next. It's not unheard of. No, it's not. Now, no. now all of a sudden, it's a dead issue. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It isn't happening. You're making stuff up. Oh, so I'm, I'm crazy now. Right. right. And, so, uh, and so there were a lot of people who thought that it was probably the spike protein. And on one of our five docs episodes, I actually said, hold on. We don't know if it's the spike protein because we don't know what's in these shots. And we don't know because we've never tested what is coming out of saliva, exhalation, skin, ejaculation, vaginal fluids, mucus, blood, we know nothing. And then you started to see all of these reports of people who looked at blood for a living, you know, live blood analysis, dark field microscopy, and they were seeing unbelievable changes in red blood cells, clotting, changes in formation of white blood cells, changes in formation of platelets. And they were seeing objects floating around in the blood that they'd never seen in the decades that they were doing blood analysis. Did anybody care? No. And so here we are in February of 2022. We are 10 months beyond that first five docs episode. And very little has been done to investigate, detect, determine, analyze, conclude or figure out whether or not there's material in these shots that is emanating from one person's body and getting into another person's body and making them symptomatic. But we have hundreds of thousands of reports. And so when is that no longer anecdotal? And when is that actually a true experiment? It goes back to, like you said, the, the weight of data. We have one clinical trial for the vaccine, which was uh, tainted because they, um, they injected the control group, the placebo group. So that was their one trial to put this in as an emergency use authorization. And then we have hundreds of statistical countrywide population data for ivermectin and its effectiveness in treating this. And that is completely thrown aside because it's not the gold standard of uh, what is it? Randomized control trial according to the pharmaceuticals. This keeps happening. More and more suppression from the big media tech companies about all of this real information in light and in favor of the stuff that they want to pump out, which is all fiction. Right. Yet 90% of the people believe it and they keep following that. And like you said, Dr. Larry, I agree with you. I think we need to start a two-tiered system, but it's kind of like the more and the more locks. If we each go our own way, at what point do the Moors start feeding on the Morlocks and getting their immunity? Because the Moors' immunity is gone and the Morlocks still have theirs because they didn't inject themselves and they're living underground and growing their own food. This, um, 
this kind of reality, like the fact that a large percent of the population is willing to believe fiction and go that way, no matter what it does to them, where we have people like yourself, ourselves, people who are in our community saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, but they just don't listen. And, um, and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, Dr. Larry. I'm at a loss. The Vax man is at a loss. I'm not at a loss. I'm sorry you're at a loss. Um, I trust in a higher process. And I also trust that I'm going to go where I need to go to create the kind of consciousness that I want to create and want to be around. And, you know, that's not, I'm not going to shut anybody out, but, you know, there's, there's definitely a shift in consciousness happening in the world. Uh, the attempt is to make everybody think the same way. Um, I, I don't call that freedom. Uh, I don't know who does, but you know that's what's happening. Um, I, I want to go back to something you said. You know, not only not only did that happen with the Pfizer trials, but they actually told the people in the Pfizer trial that we don't advise you to have sexual relations for the first month after you got the shot. What did they know? I mean, what did they know ahead of time to warn people not to have sexual relations for a month? Who ever heard of those instructions? What were they aware of regarding transmission? So they already knew that something was a priori in the works. Um, I, I'm, I'm not worried about what's going to happen because I do know that there is a shift in consciousness that is upon us. I can't tell you when, I can't tell you how, I can't tell you what, but I am fully confident that those who are in the evil ways are, are, um, doing their best to hang on because they know they're at their end game. They know that they're almost done. And they know that the shift in consciousness is going to happen. Uh, it's, it's built into history. History always shows that the shift in consciousness happens. This is, this is a culmination of centuries worth of the degree of evil that we're seeing in the world today that is eventually going to not win. And so I have that faith. The light always shines brighter than the dark. It exposes the dark. And the dark, in its arrogance, shows itself. You know, the vampires are coming out in the morning, sun, so to speak. So there's an end game here. And I don't feel like we have to do anything to the evil people, to the evil systems, because history shows that those who are at the very, very top of the evil will always find their immunity somewhere in some chalet, in some country, somewhere in the world. But then history shows that the middle people who were carrying out all the dirty deeds start running for their lives because the people wake up enough to make sure 
that the doctors, the mayors, the governors, the ministers, the prime ministers, the board of eds, the CEOs, all those people who are complicit pay the price for having been complicit in the crimes against humanity. And I know that that's how history repeats itself. So I don't have to do anything to make that happen. It's gonna happen. And so here we are needing to just do our work, do our part. And whether we're alive to do it or not, it's gonna happen. And so I believe in that faith and I believe that um, the consciousness is shifting and there's no timetable. Uh, there's need for patience and there's need for continued bringing light to the dark. The more you speak the truth, the more you quiet the darkness, the more you put light on the dark. So keep talking the truth. That's all. And, you know, we, we had an expression when I was in medical school, medicine changes one death at a time. And that is true. Even today. Dr. Larry, see, you, you're giving me hope, Dr. Larry. I didn't have any before this interview. And now I'm talking to you and now you gave me hope. That's why you're one of the leaders of the resistance, even though you don't see it as a resistance, it's common sense. But like you said, speak truth live your truth and know and know that like you're the one who hopefully didn't put this into your body and did a bit of critical thinking and did a bit of foresight and you know and engaged in that sort of thought process and said wait a minute Arr! let me just hold my horses here before i inject myself with an experimental gene therapy based on mrna lipid technology thanks but no thanks <laughs> uh dr larry thank you so much for your time for your wisdom for your faith and for your great judgment and your critical thinking skills. I think, um, you know, you've just helped so many people in our audience kind of solidify what they know to be true, that this moment in time, it's history in the making. And um, thank you for sharing with us, Larry, your knowledge. And uh, Sam, again, thanks, mate. Thanks for bringing yeah. this wonderful Dr. Larry to everyone here in Australia so they can listen to him on our podcast and uh, keep up the good work. Uh, but maybe you should start looking for a new job. Come on. You keep Come messing on. up the names of the guests, man. What's up with you? I was starstruck. What can I say? <laughs> Dr. Larry Polevsky. You can find him at northportwellnesscenter.com. All one word, northportwellnesscenter.com. You'll see all his videos there. He does the five docs. Um, uh, it's a wonderful series. And um, Dr. Larry, any final words for our uh, audience before we let you go? So uh, I want to thank you and... Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Aussie uh, audience. Um, keep the faith. Uh, you, you are, you're definitely being challenged uh, greatly by a, a, a huge tyrannical uh, system that is trying to rape you and violate you in many, many ways. Um, so uh, our hearts here in the States go out to you um, and Canada as well, because uh, you guys seem to be on similar similar routes. And I wanna thank you guys for inviting me. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and uh, you know that's what happens when you're in war. Uh, these things, life changes. Life does not go back the way it was. 
um, we're we're in an evolution, and we're going to see what comes uh, upon us in the future. Uh, we must stay present. We must do our due diligence. Stay alert. Stay awake. Stay in the light, and keep the faith, guys. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Larry. Thank this you has very been, much. This has been the Vaxman. And this is Sam. Live free. Uh, resist. Live free. Do not comply. <laughs> You're fired, Sam. You're uh, fired. I can't get another job, man. I'm not, I'm not back. This is oh, talking at midday. This has been Prison Colony Resistance, where you come to get your PCR test for truth.